Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. We could have just done the great I Am song for the rest of the day and have been fine with it. <laughs> you just let me know if you want to do that sometime and I'll be cool with it. That's the same person who told me this morning, my morning started by being informed that she prayed the Lord would just mess everything up, break all the religion, and the presence would just come. And I'm like, well, thanks for the warning. It's always good when someone else prays it because then you're kind of like off the hook. <laughs> she prayed it. So this will be the last message in the Spiritual Warfare series. Um, it'll probably trickle into December, but as I've talked about, this, as I've prayed about this with the Lord, I've kind of got, we really can't go on through the holiday month of December and keep going in spiritual warfare. At some point, we'll make a break. Okay, I've got more to say, so we'll re is it okay with you if we return to it sometime? Okay, all right, we'll go back to it, but we'll... This will be the last one. And this is going to be a Thanksgiving message, although probably different than one you've had before. We're going to do a reframe. You know, um, in Romans chapter 12, what does it say? How do we know what the Lord's will is? By the renewal of our mind, right? The taking down of those strong. We begin to think like he thinks. This is one of those. This is going to be a spiritual reframe on things that you already know, but just a little bit more thinking like the Lord thinks. Okay. Um, to start there, um, we're going to start with love, so we interpret rightly. So go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And we're, we're just going to start here. This is how he thinks about you. And this is so important. This does lead us where we're going. Here it says, uh, and let me just tell you, this is, this is Paul, of course, writing to the church of Corinth, but he's quoting from um, the prophet Isaiah. This is, if you're a note taker and you like to go dig, this is out of Isaiah chapter 64. And it says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Just soak that up. Do you know that's talking about, talking about you? You love him? Then that's talking about you. you. In other words, you can't imagine the good things he's prepared for you. Now, we're starting here because this morning we're going to talk about hard things. Any, does anybody always have it good or do you go through seasons that are pretty darn painful and hard? Pretty broken seasons. Just me again. <laughs> Good. No, uh, no, I know better. In fact, I've been walking through stuff. There, there's a lot going on right now um, in families that's painful. And the truth is, that's just what we become aware of. There's always pain going on, right? There's always hard things going on. And, and the thing is, the Word of God wants us to see it the way He does. And we're going to find out this morning, it's a gift. Sorry about that. Um, you're welcome. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 16. We're going to read another verse. And this is one of those verses that, that when I'm in the wrong season, it actually kind of makes me mad. You ever read in the Bible and the Lord kind of makes you mad? This is one of those. Like another one I think of, you can turn there, but another one that just comes to my mind right now, and I have no idea where it is right now, but it says, um, all things, the Lord brings all things to good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. You ever read that before and it makes you mad? Because <laughs> you're, you're like, that's just kind of stupid at the moment in the pain that I'm in or whatever. This is one of those. Um, in a different way. It says rejoice always. And it's weird. It, it actually, like, if you study it out, it actually means that, rejoice always. Weird, huh? Like, in other words, when, like when times are really good or when you're just being run over by the freight train of pain or whatever. Always, rejoice always. <laughs> Sounds good. And it goes on and says, pray without ceasing. Now, I'm just going to pause there for a minute. 
you know it's not possible to pray without ceasing if that means, okay, now we kneel and we come to the altar and we do all this stuff, right? You can't do that without ceasing. Um, not, even, um, not even monks at the monastery can pull that off. So what's this talking about? This is talking about a type of intimacy, a type of conversational prayer that's always going on, right? It's your continuous dialogue with the Lord as you walk with him through the days, the good ones and the ones that, that stink like crazy. Pray without ceasing. And it says, in everything, give thanks. In seasons of pain, you're starting to get a little madder now, right? In everything, give thanks. Well, does that mean we're giving thanks for the really terrible stuff? (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're going to look at. Going into Thanksgiving, you know the terrible stuff goes on. and, um, And let me put this out there. I have a trick question, and I'm just being fair by telling you it's trick before I say it. Um, Is God in control? (laughs) That's what we always say. But you know, I want to put something out there for you. Um, God's in charge. Every parent knows that being in charge does not mean you're in control. You got it? Okay, so lots of things go on in life, and we're going to look at it. Not every stitch of it is the will of God, but God's will is not, is not overcome. Okay? All right. Is that fair? All right. Now, I want to tell you what we just read. Actually, it goes on. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, that's a funny thing. We think about the will of God, and I think generally we think, well, you know, for me, a lot of times I'm praying, Lord, what's your will? What do you want me to teach next month? Or what's your will? Um, should I take this job or, or keep looking for another one? What's your will, Lord? And we're always looking for will like that. But here, what we're seeing is what's the will of God? It's, it's not how we generally think of it. The will of God is that you rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. <laughs> that just said that's the will of God. It says the word that comes next is for, so like the why. Why do we do this? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now you got to remember, he's the good father. He's the same good father that's in that first verse we read. You tracking? The one where you cannot imagine the good that's coming. If, if somebody who was not capable of being true to that promise said to me, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks and everything, um, I'd be like, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) It has to be someone that reliable that can make those promises and you can be in the season that it hurts so bad you think you're dying and you can still give thanks and everything, pray pray continuously, uh, rejoice always. Okay, now turn with me. That's just, we're just getting going. Is that good so far? We doing good? All right, go to Psalm 100. And um, this is where you'd think that um, we coordinated, the worship team and I. You would think that I, I told them that I'm going to be preaching on the gates and um, the gates of praise and all of that. Of course, it is on the banners, but I, to me it's just evidence that, um, that the same spirit is moving in this body. It works for me. I hope, I hope that's evidence to you. But here we go. Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, now listen. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. Now pause there for a minute. I want to tell you that Right there is the core of praise. And if you don't grab this, it's not going to work where we're going. You'll, you'll be mad at me and God like that. I mean, you have to grab this, okay? The core of praise is knowing that the Lord is God and that it's not you. That's so important. As important as that is in the good times when it's easy to be thankful for what's going on, it's, it's life and death stuff when you're in the pain and the hard times that you know that, that he is the Lord, that the Lord is God. It goes on and says, and then the next part, so there's one identity, right? We talk about identity a lot. There's one identity, God's. 
And then the next, the very next thing it says is, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Pasture. That's You can't separate the two. You see, there's two identities here. And knowing those two identities is the core of thankfulness and praise. Are you tracking? You see, when you know that the Lord is God, a good father, and the Lord is God, and you know that you are his people, well, now you can, you, we're getting to where we can praise through anything, and I'm going to show you why it's so critical. Because I'm going to suggest that's a battle plan. I don't think it's a coincidence that this is going to be the last message of like a two-month series. Okay? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. You've got, that's a battle plan. Okay, we're going to return back to these gates. No, I, actually, I didn't finish reading yet. Go to verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to point some things out quickly and move on here, and we'll come back. But it's a progression. Do you see that? So I want you to imagine um, the way it is for them you know, we always say this here, you, the temp, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? For all who have given their life except of Christ, you are now the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and soak that up for a minute. In other words, the physical picture of the temple is you. We say that all the time. Now, the temple has walls around it, and in order to get into those walls, there are gates. So I just want you to notice there's a progression. To get through the gates is thanksgiving, okay? In the courts where you're healing your sustenance, let's say this, your intimacy with the Savior, with Jesus, who wants to be very active and alive in your life, the, um, the intimacy, so everything you need in that intimacy, the sustenance, the, the blessing, the, the strength to get through the hard times. In the courts, first you enter through the gates, what is the key to the gate to get in there? Thanksgiving. And in the courts, with praise. Okay. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. That's why we want in the courts. <laughs> That's why we want in the secret place. The intimate place. Okay. Now. And we're going to take um, we're going to take what I think is probably one of the most famous, most well-known chapters in the whole in the whole Bible. You don't have to be a scholar. John 15, if you want to turn there. And we're just going to do something. We're going to notice something more strongly than maybe you've noticed it before. This is Jesus talking. He is giving an illustration. Um, of our age and how it works, okay? And he starts describing him, himself. He says, I'm the true vine. That's Jesus describing himself. And my father is the vine dresser. What's that mean? Do you know who the vine dresser is? It's the one who cares, the gardener, the one who cares for the plants, right? Now, do you know in the word of God, if you think of the parable about the sower and the seeds, um, who's responsible for the soil? in a garden, in the garden of your life. You are. Yeah, it's very accurate to look at that. So you know that parable. I'll just do the, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a glimpse because I know you all know it. The seeds, the seeds are scattered, and it's a warfare parable, even though you don't recognize it first. And all kinds of things, four different types of warfare come against the seed, which is the word of God, but it's all about the condition of the soil. And you are responsible for yourself in that regard. What soil does the word of God that he's speaking over you, even today, what soil does it land on? Okay, well, here we're talking about a garden again, and it's that Jesus is the vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Okay, tracking so far? Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Ouch. Okay, in other words, the word of God really is saying that you are supposed to be kingdom fruitful. <laughs> He's the one, you know, you don't produce the fruit. 
I don't care how hard you strain. You can go, I'm going to produce fruit and go, and try to squeeze. An apple tree doesn't struggle to produce fruit. If the soil is good, the fruit is God's. It is the fruit of the Spirit, right? He's the fruit producer, but we're talking about a result here. There's a responsibility in your part in this, okay? But that's not why we're reading this. I'm going to start that again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now listen. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. All right, I'm going to tell you a secret. That's not all that secret because it's published in the Bible. But um, it's a secret that we miss. How many times have you read that? But have you ever noticed what that says? That is saying that pruning is the reward of producing fruit. All fruitfulness is rewarded with pruning. Thank you, right? But I'm going to tell you, before, if we go at all according to the plan this morning, we're going to get to a place where we have a thankfulness for the pruning. Have you ever thanked him for the pain? Have you ever thanked him for the, for the stuff that grows us up into big boys and girls? Um, usually it takes hindsight, like long after we thought we were going to die and we didn't, and we come out in a more fruitful place. But that just said, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes for what? That it may bear more fruit. All spiritual growth is rewarded with pruning. <laughs> Got really quiet now. I told you we were going to have fun. <laughs> Pruning is the removal of unhelpful growth so that fruitful growth can flourish. Okay? And it's the reward. Um, now, we have to go to verse 3. We're going to keep returning to that concept, and that's really the point. If you, if you feel like you got what you need, you, you don't even have to stick around. It's, that's, that's it. That's the point this morning, but we're going to keep doing some really great stuff. Verse 3 says, um, Jesus still speaking, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Now, I don't know about you, but as I'm reading it like a glance, I go, that sentence is out of place. Like, um, like Jesus, stay on track. You're really, um, what are we talking about here? It belongs there, and I'm going to show you why. I'm going to tell you what we do. Now remember, this is in a discussion about pruning. It's not just stuck anywhere. We are specifically talking about the reward of pruning for those who are fruitful. And then he says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Why is it stuck there? Now I'm going to tell you what we do. Pruning comes into our life. The hard things that refine us into more fruitful, um, more um, more in, the, uh, in his image, disciples of Jesus, that kind of pruning, that painful stuff comes. And what we do is we say, what have I done wrong to deserve this? Now, don't get me wrong. Now, listen to me. <clears throat> it's so important we do this. There is sin, and it will cause you calamity because it's outside of God's will, and that's not, necess that's not necessarily pruning. Now, he is good enough that he'll bring pruning into it. He is a faithful, capable father. Um, he brings blessing. He brings all things to good, just like we quoted earlier, for those who love him. But let's don't, let's don't confuse like the consequences of our sin. That's a certain type of pain. We invite him into it. He'll turn it to pruning. Um, or there's really, um, you know, we can do really stupid things and it can bring a certain type of suffering. Are you tracking with me? Anybody besides me stupid sometimes? Okay. Like if, <laughs> I feel like I should tell you this story. I'm kind of a frugal person, okay? Um, like to a fault, like, you know, like pray for me. I'm, I sometimes I'm too frugal. And um, when we were building our house, this is like over a decade ago, at least I had this scaffold system and we were I was putting up stone with the scaffolding well I had like one hour to get it back over 
to the local store over here, which fortunately, as you're going to find out, is in the same parking lot as the emergency clinic. It was convenient. And I was taking it down as fast as I could because I don't get it back. I pay for another day, and that's not okay. And so I'm, I'm running around the scaffolding. I'm pulling the pins out as fast as I can to get this thing taken down and into the truck. I pull out the last pin, and I realize there's no pins holding this up anymore. And I have just enough time, just like just enough time, to look up to see 25 feet of scaffolding smash into my face. <laughs> you see, that's just stupid. That's not pruning. That's the spirit of stupid. <laughs> okay. So uh, I got. I don't know why that came to my. You're welcome. I don't know why that came to my mind. <laughs> but um, but the point is, everything is not pruning. We also sometimes have the spirit of stupid. We also can be really sinful, and it requires humbling and bringing the Lord back in it. But there's also pruning, and pruning is the reward that every son of God should expect for their fruitfulness and their growth. You tracking? And this just said, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken. The reason I'm talking here is because what we do, and I was right here, and then, I don't know, I rabbit trailed. We didn't do the paper wad thing this time, but you, um, I rabbit trailed. But um, it's so important to understand what's that saying, you're already clean. See, we say, what did I do wrong? Why am I enduring this, this hard, hard thing? Why did everything just shatter? Did, how did I cause this? Well, there's the reward of pruning. He said, you know you're already holy. Why are you holy? You can't earn it. Do you know that you cannot make yourself more holy? Why? You're as holy as it gets, and it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it has to do with Jesus' holiness. You can't get cleaner. You're clean. <laughs> And when you enter into a season of pruning where you're being battered and beaten and shattered and you're enduring, you're trusting the Lord because, oh, this hurts, I think I'm going to die, and we begin to go, what did I do to deserve this? The Lord wanted to put this in there. He says, you're not thinking like me. You didn't do anything to deserve this. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Say, I'm clean. I'm as clean as it gets. You are. <laughs> Otherwise, you have no access to God. You have complete access to God because you're completely clean and it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the blood of Christ. Pruning is his reward. I'm going to say that enough times that you might actually believe it when you leave. <laughs> because it's really hard to be thankful for. It's really hard to be thankful for something that you don't recognize as a gift from the hand of God. Pruning is the evidence that God delights in me. And yes, he, he delights in me a little more than you. Um, I'm just saying that because I've had a lot of pruning. Have you ever been in a season in your life where you're, you're going along and you're thinking, I'm finally where I've been trying to get. There's peace, there's fruitfulness, um, I love this. Man, I have been trying to get here for so long. This has been like a decade of spiritual growth and struggle, humility before God, and things are really starting to go my way. <laughs> Snip. Have, I'm serious. Have you ever experienced that? You just got where you want to be, and then here comes the shears. And, and you're like, oh. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. It's the reward. See, and we go, are you punishing me? I feel like I need to skip. We're going to return back here, but that just came out of my mouth. So do you know that God does not punish his sons? It's in the word of God. He doesn't punish you. Somebody needs to say that out loud, so let's all do it together. He doesn't punish me. <laughs> what does he do? He prunes. He disciplines. Now listen to me. You're a son of God. You're not just anybody. You're part of the royal family. 
You're the delighted in son. You're the son of God. For the sons, we get the gift of pruning and discipline. Slaves are punished. Don't believe me? Let's look in the word of God. Go to 1 John chapter 4 and uh, verse 17. I know this is for at least somebody in here. This is a paradigm shift. Like your mind is breaking as we're talking. What do you mean he doesn't punish me? (laughs) Here it says, Love has been perfected among, among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, So we are in this world. I'm not going to touch that, so we're not here three hours. And (laughs) you're thankful for that, somebody? (laughs) And then verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Now that, that actually translates punishment because fear involves punishment. Okay, so there's no fear. He doesn't punish. Perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because perfect love paid the price where punishment is cast out. Other places in the word of God, it says, I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Why are you called friends? Because he lets you in on everything, right? Your friends, see, slaves aren't let in on the master's plan. Friends know the master's plan, and we're sons. And also, so so here, look, there's no fear. Why is there no fear? Because there's no punishment. Why is there no punishment? You all know this one. He paid it. He took all your punishment. See, there's there's no punishment. And yet we go through hard things, right? What are the hard things? Pruning. Are you starting to get more thankful, a little bit more thankful for it? It's easy to be thankful after you're through the season of pruning, right? (laughs) I'm going to show you why why you don't want to wait till then, though. I'm going to show you because it's the gates. I can't help myself. I'm going to tell you now. It's because it's the gates. And if you're going to get into the intimate place in the courts, (laughs) you're laughing at me. (laughs) If you're going to get into the intimate place where everything you need, where all your need is met in a good, good father, the gates are thanksgiving to get into the courts of praise. So when you most need to get through those gates, is when, I mean, you always want to get through the gate. I just want to sit in the courts forever. But, oh, but when, you, when is it when you most need to get through those gates into the courts of praise? When it's the worst. And you're telling me the gates are thankfulness? You've got to be kidding me. It's a battle plan. Okay, now we're going back to John 15, I think. Yeah, let's skip through here because I want to get to some good stuff. Um, let's try this. Go to, down to verse 15. Actually, I was just talking about this. You can't make this stuff up. I'm having fun up here. You see, you can't make this up. (laughs) Here it says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, um, I have made known to you. So you're in the know. Glad to be in the know. I always think it's an indicator when I'm like walking along and, and as far as like spiritually speaking, I don't feel like I'm in the know. That makes me kind of go, oh, oh, like I need, to, I need to get into that intimate place because this doesn't feel good to me. I'm supposed to be in the know. You're supposed to be in the know. In verse 16, um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and yet your fruit should remain. Do you, know, do you know that it's really easy to, pr- to produce some quick fruit that doesn't remain? In fact, you can spend a lifetime producing some quick fruit that isn't really the kingdom fruit that has an eternal remaining to it. Makes me think it's a proverb and if we have a scholar in here who knows where it is, call it out. I don't know its address. But it says something to the effect of, um, there's, 
How does that go? There's a way that a man thinks is good, but that road, the end of that is death. You can make comfortable fruit. You can make um, the hard seasons, the pruning seasons that we get from a good father who wants to grow you up into an even bigger boy, even bigger girl, and and we can, we can do comfortable things, we can do quick things, and the end of that is death. This just said his game plan, his battle plan is, first of all, it's you. You are the battle plan for victory here. And it says, I chose and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That's good news. You're, you're producing eternal stuff, but um, usually, you know, that's going to be the hard stuff. Don't forget that this started in a conversation about pruning. Are you getting more thankful for pruning? A little bit? No, by your quiet. I can tell you're too quiet, so you're not thankful. So we'll do, we'll get, we'll get you to where you're thankful. Just hang on. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can we pray for you? Okay. Thank you, Father. We do know that this one, your most delighted in child here, has been pruning. And we've already been praying. But, Father, while the whole family's here, we just ask in the authority of the name of Jesus to release anointing in the name of Jesus. We thank you that the pruning and the pain and the hard stuff she's been going through is a gift because we agree with you. You are bringing more fruit. This woman who's already ridiculously fruitful, you're bringing more fruit in the name of Jesus. More fruit. More fruit. More fruit. And strength to continue to walk out the pruning in the name of Jesus. Now we've done, now we've got to play. <laughs> We're doing the stuff now. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Father. Okay. I'm going to go to another parable. Okay, do you know that any time in the Word of God, um, when it talks about wheat, it's talking about the best of the kingdom. Now, just I know there's so much woundedness. I have mine and, and you have yours and everything. So I'm going to get something out of the way. Um, you are the best of the kingdom. <laughs> because he already spoke it. You tracking? Okay, now I know you're not manifesting the best, the best yet, but you're... Evermore, you're on your way, right? In fact, just say that. I am the best of the kingdom. Good, now go ahead and believe it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, help us get there, Lord, where we believe it. Um, anytime you're talking about wheat in the word of God, it's a symbol of the best of the kingdom. Okay, you'll read about sifting wheat. You'll read about... Um, um, the wave offering in the Jewish feast, well, they would wave wheat. Why? Because it was the symbol in their calendar for growing into being the best of God. And he is going to perfect you. So be encouraged. That's a command. Be encouraged. I'm, this is a parable about wheat. And I've got to tell you, this parable is probably one of my favorites just because I think it gives us the best picture of, the, of when, of us living right now, okay? We say all the time, the kingdom now, the kingdom not yet. Why do we say that? You know, he bestowed the kingdom and, and not just part of it, like, like the whole thing is yours and the kingdom is within. When the spirit's in you, you carry the kingdom, right? And it is now. But we also know that um, there's far better to come, when he binds evil in the pit, when he wipes away the last tear. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, you? Okay, but there's also a type of fullness of the kingdom now that he's growing us into as kingdom manifestors. Am I telling the truth? Okay, this parable describes the season of history that we're in. Okay, and today I'm using it as another example of um, we're going to bring the pruning into this, but in the reality of where we live. So here, did I give you the scripture yet? Sorry about that. <laughs> Matthew 13, and we'll start verse 24. 
Now, while you're turning there, I'm just going to put this out there. You know, sifting is also, it's, I think it's kind of, it, you might be a better scholar than me and find something I haven't seen, but I think sifting is pruning. Okay, and think about Peter. Whenever I think about sifting, I think about two people. Who do you think of? Peter and Job, right? Job ends up with double portion. After I mean, you talk about some pruning, brother. <laughs> I hope I never get that kind all at one time. Are you tracking with me? <laughs> we can do this. At, we can pace this, Lord. <laughs> okay. Um, why does he prune Peter? Because he loves him. He's got incredible plans for him, right? And the, and he gets a he gets a heck of a of a sifting. In fact, we should just teach about that sometime. I'm going to move on. Um, I promise. Yeah, just go ahead and do the parable. I didn't give you the paper wad this time. I didn't. Now, when you really need it, yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. Verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, "The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field." Just in case you're not tracking, that man is God, sowing the seed. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, that's weeds or harmful things to the crop, among the wheat and went his way. Who sowed the tares? The enemy. Okay. Um, and just let me put out there, this is the greatest proof. I've argued with theologians, wannabe theologians, uh, about the presence of the kingdom now. And just let this be a proof to you. If you ever need to convince yourself or someone else that the kingdom has begun, the kingdom is within you, it's now. Because otherwise, this would not make sense. In other words, we're talk, he, it starts out, the kingdom of heaven is like, and it has wheat and tares mixed together. Now, I'm sorry, but I'm looking forward to something where the tares are not going to be there anymore. So if the kingdom of heaven is like this, it's talking about the kingdom of heaven now. Okay, just... Common sense that, yeah. Okay, and then um, verse 26, but when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. Now listen. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Now listen, we're seeing a repeating pattern right here. <laughs> this is what we do. We blame God, right? We say, um... These things start to happen in our life and we're like, oh, we're like, can you not take care of your field? Like, are you tracking? Do you do it too? Okay, good. I, at least I heard some response that time. You leave me lonely up here too often. He goes on and says, how, does, how then does it have tares? They're saying to him. And he, and he said to them, an enemy has done this. You know, the, you know that your enemy in this spiritual warfare is a tool. Literally, literally, a tool, <laughs> okay? The things that come against you are a tool for what? We talk about this all the time. You got it? Growth, yeah. We're going glory to glory into the glory of the Lord. It's a tool to bring you to the next glory. That's it. An enemy has done this, the servant said to him. Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, now listen, he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. That's the reality we live in. In other words, what? Why does he not just remove? Last week we talked about giants. Why does he not just remove the giants? Everywhere in the word of God, we have to confront and attack the giants. Now, I'm going to be careful not to go reteach everything we did last week because then you'd be mad at me. And, um, but um, the giant, he doesn't remove those. Why? Because it's for your reveal. He doesn't remove the tares because it's, it's part of his pruning. It's a tool in his hand. It's for your growth. It's so that you become more fruitful, Right? says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. I'm going into the his barn. <laughs> Amen. 
See, sons are not punished. Sons are not punished. We are pruned, and it is a reward. Okay, I think I've got, let me see. Actually, I'm going to switch the order here. Sorry about that, you know me. Uh, Luke, go to Luke chapter 9 and verse 51. Now I'm going to show you something. I'm going to give you some quick kingdom principles, like really quick. You know, um, the word of God says, do not neglect the laying on of hands. In fact, we just did that. We know that here. Did you see a bunch of people come around? Like it wasn't just me. A bunch of people, we had hands on, right? Do not neglect the laying of hands. Do you know that we can impart all kinds of things with the laying of hands? I'm just telling you what the word of God says. We can impart healing when it's his timing and will with the laying on of hands. We can impart um, the spirit of revelation. I've seen the laying on of hands and light bulbs everywhere, miraculous light bulbs in a really dense people that God loves anyway, okay? We, We can impart things. We can impart callings, spiritual gifts. Specifically, it says in the word of God, spiritual gifts are imparted by the laying on of hands. Do you know what you can't impart by the laying on of hands? (laughs) <laughs> maturity you, you can, it can't be imparted you'll never find the word of God say that do you know why? because I or you or you know every one of you is a minister in the kingdom of God I'm not the minister we all the body of Christ ministers and, and um, what you can't give I'm going to use myself as the example unfortunately maybe but um, what I can't give is my pain I can't give you my experience walking through a season of pruning. You got to go get your own. <laughs> we can impart some gifts. We can impart healing. We can, but I, we cannot impart spiritual maturity. That is walked in intimacy with Jesus. That's how we become mature. Do you know that you can have all that stuff? You can have your healing. You can have vast amounts of revelation. In fact, I think I'm pretty much quoting Corinthians chapter 13 right now. You can have wonderful spiritual gifts, even in powerful operation, but it can all be sort of like out of control and unfruitful without the maturity. Okay, so that wasn't as quick as I thought it would be. (laughs) We really need that paper wad back. Um, but okay, I think I gave you the Luke 9 and 51. This is good. We're getting pretty close to wrap up here. So this is Jesus having an encounter with his disciples. And I just want to prep you by saying you're going to see maturity versus immaturity. And the disciples always make me feel at home, okay? Because I can really be an idiot, like a lot of the time honestly. <laughs> and sometimes what you read, it really just makes you feel like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm good if them guys could walk with him. So here it is, verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, in other words, he's getting ready to go to the cross, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Okay, that's maturity. <laughs> he knows what it is and he set his face to go there. I'm so glad he's Jesus and I'm not. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and sent messengers before his face. And, <clears throat> and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. You got it? They're, they're going through a place and they, they didn't receive him because, because he's in the will of God. He's got his face set for what the Father is actually doing as opposed to like what they want. <laughs> Can anybody track? Okay? And so they're not receiving him, but this, this just gets better. Verse 54, And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, you just got to love this. <laughs> Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Now, what you got to gather here is they're not going to Jesus because, well, let me put it this way. 
I'll guarantee you they're coming to Jesus with this because they think that they're providing a great service to him. <laughs> they think that they're serving him really well. That would be, that'd be immaturity. Okay, how do we know? Because I'm about to read Jesus' response in a minute. That'd be immaturity. That'd be like, I'll just be transparent and honest and say that I probably have prayed a few times in my life or suggested to God that, that maybe some individual should be struck down. <laughs> just being honest. Um, but I still, I'm, I'm still doing better than these guys because I've never prayed for like a whole city to be wiped out. So I'm doing okay. I think we just need to wipe out Colorado Springs. <laughs> what do you think, Lord? And I have a, you know that his answer shocked them. They had to be like, that was such a good idea. <laughs> and he goes, he turns and rebukes them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And then they went to another village. <laughs> That's it. Oh, whew, that village just barely scraped by. Immaturity. You see, you, and this is why I'm reading this. I'm realizing I'm, I'm about to not tell you why I'm doing this. These are really mature guys. These are guys that are walking with him. They're doing the stuff like we just did with our own hands. They're participating in the move of the Spirit. They're watching and learning from the master just like you do in your days. You do that, right? You're paying attention to Jesus. You're moving in the spirit. You're doing the stuff. They're doing the stuff. And yet they can have a moment like this <laughs> where he goes, what spirit are you of? That's what he said. It's the only walking with Jesus... Um, Inexperience, <laughs> going through the pruning, going through the pain, going through the hard stuff, brings us to a maturity where all the inheritance, you know you have all the inheritance. You don't just get, this, this doesn't work like inheritance works in our silly families here where we don't have anything to pass on of value anyway. Um, you get all the inheritance, but, but to walk in a warfare, in a strength where you utilize that inheritance. I'm still asking God to make me a big boy. <laughs> it's a dangerous prayer. <laughs> you know, complaining empowers the enemy. A thankful heart. Gets us through the gates. just in the gates, and then praise. You know, thankfulness and praise are brothers. <laughs> they're not exactly the same thing, but they're pretty darn close. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I'm just going to um, wrap up with this. Go with me to Isaiah 60. This part's good for Thanksgiving. And actually, it just I'm just going to show you um, 60, starting right in verse 1. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is God speaking to his people Israel. So it's a picture of how he speaks to you, right? Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. <laughs> Seriously? Is that supposed to be good news? Did you, did you track with that? But look at the context. It, it, it's, in, it's between verse 1 and the second half of verse 2 and into verse 3. It's sandwiched right in there. And then it says, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Thank you, God. The Gentiles shall come to your light. You know, you're adopted in, okay? And kings to the brightness of your rising. But sandwiched right in there, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. I'm reading that and I'm like, 
that doesn't belong there. <laughs> and mine's misprinted. Okay. And then what happens, now this is winding to something, so, so be patient with me, track with me. This ends up becoming an entire chapter of speaking out blessing, prophetic blessing. You know, he's speaking prophetic blessing from the courts of heaven on your life right now. Yes, he is that nuts about you. You see, and let me just put this out there. I can't help myself. Do you know that um, if, if it was a bad vine dresser, we're really in trouble, right? Because can you, can you imagine a vine dresser going through the vineyard and, and just kind of like being distracted and, and snip, snip, snip. Oh, that was the biggest bundle of fruit on the whole thing. Whoops, right? And God's not doing that. You know that he never takes his attention off of you. He's nuts about you. He's, he's a vine dresser. He's the only one you want with the shears in his hand. Because the shears do hurt. Just had to put that out there. But then it goes into this whole chapter of blessing. And I just have to pick this up. Go to verse 6. And it says, um, so here it's just... I, um, it's talking about some of the blessings, and it says, the multitude of camels shall cover your land. Uh, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba. Now, that's one of those where I'm just studying along, and I'm like, I have to know what that means. That's just weird. So I look, and, and what I start to realize is the camels are like pickup trucks. That's how you got to see it. Okay? Is it wrong to be thankful for a warm house, cars in the driveway, all that no he wants to he wants to bless with that stuff right and it's right here this is the lord speaking to his chosen people saying basically if you translate the multitude of camels shall cover your land that's that's you shall have cars in your driveways camels were the were not just um, a mode of transportation they were a fit they were the fancy one and then I'm like, the dromedaries, I don't even know what that is. So I go research it out, and this is the, the one-humped camel. See, like Sheba and places like that were the only places that rivaled, and was only a rival. The, the wealthiest place ever in all the history of man was the kingdom under Solomon. Sheba was like the only thing that even came close to rivaling the wealth of the kingdom of God under Solomon. You got it? And so these camels, these were one-humped camels. That's a dromedary. They're like, they're like the purebred. Or I don't, they're, the, they're the Ferrari. Or these are, these are the Ford trucks that are, that are um, four-wheel drive with the big wheels and tires and can go anywhere across the mountains. You got driveways full of those. So I just had to put that out there. And it goes on and says, they shall bring gold and incense and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. So this whole chapter is like that. And God's promising, I will bless, I will bless, I will bless. And then it comes to this. And then it's, so I've skipped to verse 18. And it says, um, violence shall no longer be heard in your land. Now do me a favor, just for right now, translate violence as success of the enemy. That's violence against the kingdom of God, violence against you and the kingdom in you. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. And it says, but you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Now listen to me. I, this is my wrapping thought. Okay, and this is what I, I just, I've already been praying you'd take this with you through your Thanksgiving week. Your walls, salvation, and your gates, praise. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You, you are, um, Jesus talks in another place where he says, um, what you take in your eyes, what you take in your ears. In other words, what you experience, the way you take it in. When the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Okay, but now, now listen, I have something a little more uplifting than that. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> the gates are praised. Now listen, the filter that the word of God says everything you take in, there are two gates that are mentioned, thanksgiving and praise. Okay, we read both of them today and there are other places. Okay, you know you take in good things and bad things. You're always gonna have 
pruning things, disciplining things, and you're going to have good things. Radical blessing. Those moments in your life where you're like, I can't believe God can be this good to me. Someday I'm going to get used to how good he is to me. Right? The good things and the bad things. And the filter, the gates into this temple are thanksgiving and praise. Now I'm going to give you a trick and I'm praying, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit just really imparts this and this becomes grace before Thanksgiving meal this week and, and like that, okay? When we take the hard things through the gates, they become something that the Lord can use. Okay? And I hope I showed that to you today. That's why it was so important that we got this. Pruning is a reward. You got it? Say that. Pruning is a reward. And when you know that, can you start to be thankful for it? And if you can run it through the filter of thanksgiving into the courts of praise, you see, you're supposed to have boundaries. You know that? Your walls are salvation. Your boundaries are what you know to be true, and you never let that go. <laughs> the world will try to convince you all kinds of fake baloney. But your walls are salvation. You know what you know to be true and you refuse to let that go. But you also let things in and out. Into what? Into the courts. Into the place where you meet with God in intimacy. And the gates are thanksgiving and praise. When, it, when things come in, even if they're the most horrible things, you think you're dying. It's so painful. When they get into the intimate place through the gate of thanksgiving, it goes into praise and God can use that. Give me a nod if I'm making sense. Y'all staring at me, scaring, at, st scaring me a little. <laughs> I think that's it. I think that's it. So when you sit at your Thanksgiving tables this week, you know, praise him, of course, for all your provisions and the way that he's loving you, the way that he's healing your, healing your spirit, even healing your bodies of whatever he's doing. Praise him for those things. That I, I challenge you to do a crazy thing. Praise him for the thing that's pruning you right now. That thing that hurts like crazy. Declare before a spiritual audience that you haven't fooled my father. This is taking me into a more fruitful time in my life. I just declare it. Just give it your faith. And then you know what? When you give that your faith, when you say, this is a reward for the fact that I am, a, I am a delighted in son of God. I am a fruitful son of God. And so therefore, I am being, it might, it'll be hard. <laughs> therefore, I am being given the reward of pruning because he's not done with me yet and I'm going to be even more fruitful. You think I'm something now? I'm pretty darn good now. Because <laughs> God made me, but wait till you see me after this season of pruning. When you start to think like that, you can, you can start to run it, you can let it into that intimate place through the filter of thanksgiving. Can I pray for you? Okay. Father God, I thank you that you delight in us. We are your prized children. We thank you that um, nothing, not even us, we're not even powerful enough to thwart your plans. And we thank you for that. Father, I ask this thanksgiving that, um, that you would release a mighty anointing for a spirit of thanksgiving and a spirit of praise even in households where the, the pain is ripping, even in households where you are, you are pruning, you are disciplining, and you're, you're setting out a road where the fruit lasts. 
Father, we pray that you're making conditions in our lives where we're not getting quick fruit that makes it more comfortable, but we yield ourselves to the hand of a good Father where we say we only want the best. We want your fruit that comes through walking with you in pruning, in discipline. And we believe you for the season of fruit increased fruit that's coming for every single person here. I speak that in the authority of the name of Jesus. And uh, most of all, Lord, we thank you that there is no punishment. That um, you took the punishment. So we can just, we can just quit thinking like we used to that every time you want to prune, we've done something wrong. I ask for that you would bind the enemy's voice in that, in these season, in this season of pruning that you're doing in so many, so many families right now. We trust you, Lord. We give you our hearts. We look forward to the increased fruit. <laughs> and we're most thankful for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. We are dismissed. Happy Thanksgiving. Everyone, have a wonderful time with family. <laughs>